You're listening to a podcast from Riverview Church in Bowness, recorded during one of our Sunday gatherings. For more information about Riverview Church, or service times, or contact details, go to riverviewchurch.uk or find us on Facebook at Riverview Bowness. Good morning, everyone. Great to be with you on a Sunday morning. I've had a little more time on my hands, you might have to. And I've been looking at Facebook um, and I've read someone's reply to a Facebook comment the other day. And I thought, I agree with that 100%. The comment was about coronavirus and it read, we're all in the same boat. To which the reply was, no, we're all in the same storm, but we're in very different boats. And I thought, you know, that is true. What you're going through just now is very different for everyone. But we're definitely in a storm. For many, this virus has meant death, even for key workers who were only doing good. Many people are grieving because they've lost loved ones. Many people are ill. Some are very sick. Some are in vulnerable groups and their lockdown looks quite different from others. Some people are working and others have, are not allowed to work. Some have lost their jobs while others have been furloughed. Some are worried about how they will manage to pay their mortgage or their rent and others are able to contribute time and money to ease the lot. Some people are faced with homeschooling, and I hear that's proving a real trial for both parents and children. We're certainly all in a storm, but we're hardly in the same boat. So here we are in May 2020, and life is looking very different to what it was even at the beginning of the year. People are having to face the fact that life is changing. Some aspects of it are probably changed for good. Many people, maybe even you included, are questioning their priorities or asking what life is about when they're faced with the number of deaths we hear about every day. Whatever boat you're in, I want to tell you that God is completely in control. As a Christian, he continues to have plans for our lives. They haven't been put on hold. His plans are his plans. Even when we don't understand what's going on, He's not dropped us. He hasn't stepped out of our boat, not even for a moment, so that it's not all going wrong and he's having to pick up the pieces. We can trust him because he's in the boat with us. Of course, we're not immune to trials. Never have been, never will be. Not every Christian will be healed of their disease or disability or illness. We don't understand why, but we know it's the case. Sometimes finances crash for Christians too. Sometimes Christians lose family members and lose their jobs. It's life and being a Christian does not make us untouchable to life. I can't tell the future for any of us, but one thing I know for sure is that we will all experience loss, hurt and suffering at one point or another. It's a part of life, but I can give you hope this morning. I can tell you that God will be with you in every trial you face and he will bring you a peace that is beyond anything the world could ever offer you. It's beyond understanding. So turn with me to 1 Peter, just five verses to read this morning, chapter 4, verses 12 to 16, and I'm going to read it from the New International Version. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, 
so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer it, should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. So what's it saying? Well, it's all about maturity and the things that God uses to bring about growth and maturity in him. When I was a young person, Andre Crouch sang a song and some of the words were, if I'd never had a problem, I wouldn't know that God could solve them. Through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. I've learned to depend upon his word. Well, how does he do that? Well, he, there are five steps I want to give you, God's instruments for growth. The first one is that the Christian life always begins with spiritual birth. John 3, in verses 3 to 5, this is Jesus speaking to Nicodemus, who wants to know how to become a follower of God. So here it is. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. How can a man be born again when he's old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and of the spirit. That's the God way to knowing our sins. All the stuff that we got all wrong, our thoughts as well as words and deeds, we can know them forgiven. We can be clean and free and we can walk with him. It's like being born all over again, having a new start. So if you're listening to this and you don't know him, reach out now and ask him to forgive you and come into your life. The good news is that he never, ever says no. God's, the second is God's plan for us is then birth, growth and maturity, just the same as any parent wants for their child. The third, well, how do we grow? Well, God has many ways to bring us to maturity. First of all, he uses his word, the Bible. We can read it and study it to learn more about him. He speaks through it. Try it, you'll find it has a word for every situation in life. A dry and dusty old book, as the critics would have us believe. Never. Try it. It is so up to date. Number four, he uses church, even when church has to be online. We need to be in a Bible-believing church, hearing truth from God's word regularly. And we can do that even although we're online. We also need to be with other believers who will mentor and help our understanding. And I'm so glad to see that that's happening through Riverview Connect. And then the last one, number five. This is the hard one. He uses trials and suffering to bring us to maturity. So I'd like us just to spend some time this morning unpacking what that actually means. And I want to do it under three headings. The first is why Christians have trials. The second, why Christian trials are different. And then the third, how mature Christians react to their trials. So first of all, why? Well, Peter says it. He says, do not be surprised. In some versions it says, think it not strange. It's a promise. You're going to have trials. It's going to happen. 
it would be really good if I could tell you, come to Jesus and everything from now on will be wonderful. Everyone would want to be a Christian then. No, no problems ever, no trials ever, but that will never happen. Remember we said that one of the ways God matures us is through our trials and difficulties. We all have trials, quite simply because we live in a sinful world. We will all have seen the video which has gone out asking, where is God in this pandemic? And the answer, exactly where he was left. He's been put out of everywhere. Our schools, our businesses, our leisure, he wasn't wanted. And he's too much of a gentleman to stay where he isn't wanted. He wasn't wanted, so he left. Romans 3 and 10 says there's no one righteous, not even one. Verse 11, there's no one who understands, no one who seeks God. Is that not exactly what's happening in our country, in our world? Go on and read it later, Romans 3, 10 to 20. I warn you, it's painful reading. But, verse 21, but now a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are part of a failed race. We live in a world of turmoil and natural disasters. We don't look after our planet well enough and we certainly don't look after its people well enough either. We live in a world of crime and sickness and greed and death. We just can't get away from it. It's all around us, even before coronavirus. Yes, there are beautiful parts to our world too, but these are mainly kept for the few while the many struggle with life. Hebrews 9.27 says, Just as a man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment. Well, people have told me I don't believe that. Well, if it's right, your belief in it or not won't make one iota of difference. It's either true or it isn't. And I, I'm here to tell you, I am absolutely certain it is true. Christians have trials because of the power of Satan. Sin came into the world because Eve listened to, to Satan and she got her husband to eat the apple too. You know, the world can dress Satan up as this silly little cartoon character with horns and a narrow tail. But I have to tell you, he is real and he has power and he throws all he can at us. He's our adversary, coming to us from every angle. Look at the prophet Job. Look at the savage attack on his life and the lives of his family. Peter in 1 Peter 5 and 8 describes him as your enemy, a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. But I've talked about him enough. Christians have trials because they're on a collision course with the world. Jesus warned of this conflict because it is always going to be that way. John 15 and verses 18 to 20 says, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. 
Think of Noah. They laughed and they scorned him until the rains came. Think of Moses. In fact, you know what? Read Hebrews 11, the heroes of faith, but look particularly at verses 36 to 40. Christians will face trials exactly the same as those who have no thought of Christ. You are never immune from trials. But that takes me very nicely on to my second point. Why are the trials we face as Christians different? Oh, hold on a minute. I heard you say you that these trials are going to be exactly the same whether you're a Christian or not. Well, listen, I'm not contradicting myself. Let me remind you of verse 13. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Peter is saying effectively that the suffering we go through is nothing compared to the glory that we will share when he comes. The wonderful thing about Christians' suffering is that they never suffer on their own. He is always in the boat with us. When the three Israelite young men were thrown into the furnace, which had killed the soldiers throwing them in as it was so hot, they had faith to believe God could, could deliver them. But even if he didn't, they would not bow the knee to anyone but to their God. And he rewarded them but by not only delivering them, but by being in the furnace with them. <coughs> you can read it in Daniel 3. Christians can even find joy in jeopardy. Let's look at the New Testament. Let's look at Acts chapter 16 and see what Paul and Silas are up to. Well, there's a surprise. They're in prison. It's about midnight. And what are they doing? They're praying and singing hymns to God. Now remember, these are not superhuman beings. They are ordinary men who met Jesus and believed him. We read the story in Acts 16. It says there that suddenly there was an earthquake and the prison doors flew open. So they all made a run for it. No, not even the prisoners who had been listening to these two. They're all there. So there's no reason for the guard to kill himself because he lost prisoners because he saw the reality of God in the situation. And as it was with them, he and all his household believed and were saved. Joy and jeopardy, right enough. We might not like the struggles we face, but there's design in our difficulties. We hardly ever understand the whys of what happens to us. Maybe we will one day, but we know there is a plan and it's God's plan. And he is always in control, always in the boat with us. Romans 8 verses 28 and 29 lay it out for us. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. We need to realise that God's highest ideal for our lives is to make us more like Jesus. You know, it's all about him, always. And because of that, the problems we face can be tools in his hands to polish and refine, refine our lives so that we will shine out the likeness of his son. 
that is designing our difficulties. And we can always be assured that after the trials will come the glory. Same chapter of Romans, and we read earlier in that chapter, verse 17, Paul speaking. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. This sounds better, doesn't it? Heirs of God and co-heirs with. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Verse 18, he says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. It sounds to me like it's going to be all worthwhile. You know, yes, we go through the same trials other people go through. But Christians always have Christ with them and it makes the huge difference. So finally, point three, how mature Christians react to their trials. Verse 14 of our chapter says Christians are blessed for the spirit of glory and God rests on them. Now, that is amazing. What is really fantastic, I think, is that God comes through for us, even when it's us that's got it wrong and made a real mess of things. Christians may have financial trials, sometimes because they've made poor financial decisions, but sometimes financial decisions are completely out of our hands. No matter the reason, we know he's there. And know what? Financial trials teach us to care and to give. Paul had been in financial trouble when he wrote to the Philippians, thanking them that in verse 10, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. the trials concerning health? Well, there's a great worry for us just now. It's not just coronavirus that concerns us. There are many people waiting for surgery and those things have had to be put on hold. And people not able to get a diagnosis, and so treatment can't be started, as well as this awful virus claiming the lives of so many people. But let me encourage you, there are heroes from the past to look to there. Fanny Crosby, who wrote so many classic hymns, was blind. Or the Christian poet Annie Johnson Flint, she suffered from severe arthritis. If you want to be really encouraged about how God works through illnesses and diseases, look around our own Riverview Church and we see people there who suffer day in and day out and yet there are no complaints. They are looking to their God. Listen, health problems teach us, encourage us to only not only sympathise but to empathise and to pray. Please hear what I'm saying because I'm not belittling anything that anyone is dealing with when they're in constant pain and have a life debilitating illness. But when we hand things over to God, he's with us. And he uses even these things to show us what he can do with a life given over to him. There are a number of Christians who have mental health issues or emotional problems, and they can suffer insecurities and doubts. And you know what? We don't like to talk about it too much, but we need to pray for them because they're no lesser people and no lesser Christians, and their pain is no less real. It can be all-encompassing in the same way an illness can. Being able to empathise is such a bonus. You've been through it and come out the other side. Well, maybe I can too. Keep talking about it and be real. Emotional problems cause us to lean on Jesus and encourage others to do so too. Christians may have trials concerning families, and the reaction shows their belief in their faith. Yet even the most faithful often suffer in this area. 
There never seems any rhyme or reason to why some children appear to find God for themselves very quickly and easily, and others drift off to do their own thing. We're trusting God at the moment for all the children belonging to our church. We have a bullseye target in the small hall, and it's packed with those children God has promised he would bring them one by one, and we're believing him for that. And meanwhile, we continue to rejoice in the family of God. So let me finish by asking you how you're doing in God's school of trials. You always have a choice in trials. They can either make you better or they can make you bitter. This is a time of great fear and anxiety. So let it really be church and react in a way that's glorifying to God and shows the world the joy of following Jesus as our Saviour and Lord. No matter the trial, let's continue looking to him because he always understands and is always with us, no matter what life throws. If you don't know this wonderful friend, please reach out to him right now where you are. Acknowledge you're a sinner in need of a saviour and ask for his forgiveness. Ask him to take over your life. And if you do that, please get in touch with us. You've got the num numbers that you can call or you can text or you can get in touch with us um, through our Facebook page. But, you know, we're in lockdown, but he's always available and so are we. So don't forget, he's in the boat with you. He's for you. He will not let you go, no matter the trial you're going through. So may God bless you all and encourage you to reach out to him in all your fears and anxieties. And remember, love your neighbour. <laughs>